Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. This directive, of course, begs the question, what is truth? Truth is the absence of distortion and lies. Jesus defines truth in John 17:17. 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Noah Webster, in his 1828 American Dictionary of the English Language, also defines truth. In his primary definition, the example of the usage of the word truth is John 17:17. 17, 17. Truth is the absence of lies. God is truth. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 declares that it is impossible for God to lie. God and his word are one and the same. John chapter 1, verse 1. So God's inerrant word in the majority text is the foundation of all truth. In order to purchase truth, we must renounce distortions and lies. God's word is truth, and truth never changes. Should it be any surprise that man's truth of today debunks his truth of yesterday, and that his truth of tomorrow will debunk his truth of today? Theories change. Opinions change. Times change. Feelings change. But real truth never changes, and God's word is truth. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. A recurring and foundational theme of the proof pattern laid out on God Said, Man Said is that thousands of years before man discovers the truth of a particular issue, the God of creation has declared it in his word, truths and insights that only the designer and creator of life could know. Trust God's word. It is the truth, and truth never changes. A most common refrain of man is, tell me the truth. I will tell you the truth. God's word is truth. For an immediate introduction to the God of truth, click on the Further with Jesus on this website. Now for today's subject. God said, Leviticus, chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy, and the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. If the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and in sight be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut up him that hath the plague seven days. God said, Leviticus chapter 13, verses, verses excuse me, 45 and 46, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean, unclean! All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean, he shall dwell alone, without the camp shall his habitation be. God said, Numbers chapter 19, verse 14, This is the law, when a man dieth in a tent, all that come into the tent, and all that is in the tent, shall be unclean seven days. God said, Leviticus 15, verses 19 through 24, And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the even. And everything that she lieth upon in her separation shall be unclean. Everything also that she sitteth upon shall be unclean. 
And whosoever toucheth her bed shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the even. And whosoever toucheth anything that she sat upon shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the even. And if it be on her bed, or on anything whereon she sitteth, when he toucheth it, he shall be unclean until the even. And if any man lie with her at all, and her flowers be upon him, he shall be unclean seven days, and all the bed whereon he lieth shall be unclean. God said, Leviticus chapter 12, verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived a seed, and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days, according to the days of the separation for infirmity, shall she be unclean. God said, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When any man have a running issue out of his flesh, because of his issue, he is unclean. Man said there is no God. Man has evolved by accident from basically nothing, and therefore he owes no one anything. As one time, excuse me, as one scientist said, it's the ultimate free lunch. As far as the so-called Bible is concerned, it is a book written by mere men laden with fiction and valueless edicts. Now the record. The principle of God's quarantine has been mentioned on this website several times before. In this feature, the quarantine will have its own individual focus, for in this commandment, the supernatural veracity of the Word of God will be proven again. Thousands of years before modern science discovers some of the reasons why, the God of all true and perfect science declares it. It is key for all to remember that true science has never controverted the Word of God. Many confuse man's ever-changing theories with truths of science, and herein lies the confusion. God is the God of all truth, knowledge, and wisdom, and the Father of science. The price man has paid for his disregard of God's commandments concerning the quarantine and his purification principles continues to be staggering on a global scale. Literally, hundreds of millions of lives have been lost and trillions upon trillions of dollars squandered, not to mention the immeasurable hours of severe discomfort as a result of man's disobedience. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 reads, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The God-given quarantine of the scriptures was composed of three basic principles. One, a running issue out of the flesh covers a myriad of problems, for example, the common cold. You can be certain that in this world there are billions of sicknesses each year and millions of untimely deaths as a result of disrespect for God's quarantine. Instead of being quarantined, those affected with a running issue, such as a common cold, for example, are permitted to intermingle with the general population, spreading their infection on doorknobs, eating utensils, handshakes, hugs and kisses, sneezing and coughing on food and drink in restaurants and at home, etc. Two, the principle of being unclean meant that one carried an infectious contagion which required separation from the general population. Three, seven days of separation was one of several time periods of quarantine commanded by God. This number seven jumps out because it is the life cycle of various infectious organisms such as the one that causes the common cold. The number of health benefits hidden in the commandment of quarantining is much bigger than casual consideration and surely past ever fully discovering. The vast benefits of the quarantine should be obvious to all, but as in much of life, 
the truth is obfuscated by untruths and ill motivations. The following excerpts are from a 2003 article in the Los Angeles Times under the heading 21st Century Role for Quarantines. It reads, The battle against severe acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS, has brought back something that most people know only from history books, quarantine. Some critics tell us that quarantine, restraining the movement of people to prevent the spread of infectious disease, is unworkable and ineffective and deserves to be put back on the shelf. Modern medicine, civil rights, and technology have made quarantine impractical and obsolete, we are told. But history suggests this assumption is mistaken. Until about 1850, the miasmatic theory of epidemic illnesses dominated medical thinking. Foul vapors in the air, or miasms, were believed to be the primary source of outbreaks. The idea of person-to-person transmission of fevers was ridiculed. Quarantine was dismissed as unhelpful at best. The germ theory was first championed by Edward Jenner at the close of the 18th century and then by Louis Pasteur in the mid-19th century. It taught that epidemic disease resulted from bringing infected people into contact with infected ones. Absent and effective, absent, excuse me, and effective vaccines, such as for smallpox or rabies or cure, there were none. Public health officials had to depend on sanitary measures, sanitation of streets and buildings, destruction of infection sources, such as the clothes of a smallpox victim or mosquitoes in a yellow fever zone, quarantine of road, rail, and ship traffic, and home or hospital isolation of patients, patients and their contacts. All this helped to combat contagion. Many epidemic, the epidemics of plague, smallpox, yellow fever, and influenza were successfully contained by interrupting the transmission of germs. This fundamental fact of germ theory has not changed over time. Again, the article reports. Yet another criticism is that global travel in the 21st century makes quarantine impossible. The spread of disease will always outrun any attempt at containment. This criticism also fails to take into account historical fact. By 1850, rail travel from New Orleans to Chicago took about three days. The national economy depended on people traveling long distance for commerce and sugar, cotton, coal, and other staples. The transatlantic crossing by that time took little more than a week. Cholera, yellow fever, and smallpox take one to two weeks to incubate in a healthy person, providing more than enough time for intercontinental travel during the disease latency period. Yet quarantine measures, when properly applied, enjoyed public cooperation and success in limiting epidemics. Outbreaks of smallpox, Boston, 1872, yellow fever, New Orleans, 1905, and plague in both its uh, bubonic and pneumonic forms, Los Angeles, 1924, make a strong case for the practical benefit of quarantine. In the Los Angeles case, the plague was diagnosed on October 31, 1924, from the autopsy of a boarding house resident. Twenty-five similar cases of suspected, suspected plague had broken out in the downtown Macy Street district. A quarantine was declared, apparently by state health officials. Ill patients were isolated in local hospitals and contacts or suspected cases were quarantined in their homes. In all, more than 3,000 people were quarantined in their homes, and there was good cooperation among members of the community, the State Health Department, and the U.S. Public Health Service. 
Although there were 30 cases initially detected with a fatality rate near 90%, there were only 11 secondary cases. The drop in the numbers indicated the quarantine had stopped the rapid spread of the plague and the quarantine was lifted after 12 days. And finally, where no medical care is available, as with SARS or Ebola, or in the event of a smallpox bioterror attack, quarantine is a valuable resource and cannot be ignored. The following definition of the word quarantine is from the Encyclopedia of Public Health. Quarantine is defined as a restriction of the activities of healthy persons or animals who have been exposed to a communicable disease. The aim is to prevent transmission of the disease from potentially infected persons to healthy persons during the incubation period. Quarantine can take two forms, absolute or complete quarantine, which consists of a limitation of freedom for a period equal to the longest usual incubation period of the disease, and modified quarantine, which involves selective or partial limitation of movement based on known differences in susceptibility. Many are challenging the human quarantine, but not from a position of truth. The quarantine may be out of political vogue for man, but this protection is fully employed for plants and animals. Concerning plants and animals, the Encyclopedia of Public Health continues, the economic importance of agriculture and animal husbandry in many countries makes it absolutely essential to exclude diseases that might, might wipe out valuable cattle herds or destroy a season's harvest. End of quote. Concerning an ugly, devastating communicable disease, HIV-AIDS, the political appetite to quarantine these contaminated individuals does not exist. As a result, untold millions have and will die an untimely death. The following two excerpts are from the encyclopedia cited above. A very important human disease with an incubation time that can and probably usually does exceed 40 days is HIV infection. But for reasons that have more to do with human rights than epidemiological insights, there is no quarantine for persons exposed to HIV infection. Community values changed in the late 20th century, however, and there is now emotional and political resistance to restricting freedom in the interest of safeguarding the public's health. It is regarded as ethically unacceptable to quarantine promiscuous persons who are HIV positive, even though it might be in the best interest of the general public to do so. In some cases, public health officials have invoked the, the police power of their quarantine regulations, and sometimes, with the assistance of local police forces, they have incarcerated incorrigibly, incorrigibly promiscuous persons infected with HIV-AIDS. AIDS activists and civil rights advocates oppose this, and a debate that played out in relation to detention of polio contacts in the early 20th century is being reprised, end of quote. Man will always reap what he sows. This is an immutable law of God. God said quarantine. Man said there is no God. Man has evolved by accident from basically nothing, and therefore he owes no one anything. As one scientist said, it's the ultimate free lunch. As far as the so-called Bible is concerned, it is a book written by mere men, laden with fiction and valueless edicts. Now you have the record.